Good morning. If you would turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful this morning to be in your presence. We know that we live continually in your presence, but it's a special presence when we gather together. And we pray this morning that you will give us ears to hear, a hearts to feel, and a will to put into practice what your word has to say. Give us, Father, the confidence and the boldness needed in order to live out the life unto your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a short notice to be preaching this morning. I don't really have a finely tuned sermon, but I have spent a few days reflecting upon this text. Now, some of the things that I have discovered here, and you also will discover, is that this text is one that challenges us. And not only does it challenge us, Uh, But in some ways, it confronts us. Now, some of the things I have to say this morning will be that way. They will be challenging. They will be uh, confrontational to some degree in a good way. But bear with me. It's not all. Just don't tune me out. It's not all bad news because I intend this morning to encourage us. The Word of God, he says, is living and it is active. The Word of God is alive because God is alive. The Word of God lives and is a life-giving Word. Now, the word alive used here is a word that most often speaks of spiritual life. There is physical life, there is spiritual life, And he chooses to use a word that speaks of spiritual life. Through him, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it becomes a life-giving word. 
And as I thought of that, I thought of James chapter 1, where he said that you are to receive with meekness or receive with humility the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. You see, this word as it is here is not sufficient, it's not alive until by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of God, it comes to live within us. It is a living word because God is alive, because by the Spirit of God, it becomes alive within us. We are to receive with humility, receive with meekness, the word that becomes implanted in our very hearts. But he says not only is the word of God a living word, but he says the word of God is active. Now, I love this word active because actually it is the word that we get our word energy from. The word of God has tremendous energy. Now, we know how to measure physical energy. There's 110, there's 220, there's 440. We have some way of measuring this kind of physical energy. But how do we go about measuring spiritual energy? There is no way that we can possibly measure what God can do. Here we deal with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can experience the power. We can know the fruits of the power. But we seldom see the full effects of the energy and the power of God. I say that because of Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think. He is able by his divine power to do far more than we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. According to that power that works within us. According to that energy that works within us. Now from God's perspective, from his perspective, when his word goes forth, it always has its desired results. Let me read to you from Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now listen, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God has tremendous power. When God sends forth his word, he is always successful in accomplishing what he intends to accomplish. The same sunlight, thank God for the sunlight. The same sunlight that melts the ice will also harden the clay. And there can be two people sitting under the same preached word, hearing the very same sermon, and one is melted and draws closer to the Lord. Their hearts are stirred to seek after Christ Jesus and all that is found in Christ. And yet the other one, having rejected the word, is more steeped in their sin, is more hardened. But in any case, the word of God 
has had its purpose. Whenever God sends forth his word with power, with energy, it always succeeds in some way. But here we are. Weak, not powerful like God. Weak and struggling. How do we know within our own hearts that divine energy that comes from the word? Now I'm going to mention three things that I believe keeps us from really knowing deep within the power of the written word of God or the spoken word of God when it comes directly out of this book. Now, one of these is from another text, and the other two are found right here in Hebrews chapter 4. One reason why people fail really to feel the power of the word of God deep within is because, quite frankly, they're unsaved. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand because they are spiritually discerned. The same Spirit that inspired the Word must also bring it home into our hearts. Now, the natural man will not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They become foolishness to him. He's not able to understand them. Or as the NIV says, the man without the Spirit. The one who is not indwelt by the Spirit of God or in whom the Spirit of God is working is not able to receive the Word of God. And that's one reason why the energy and power is not found in their lives. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So one reason why the word does not come with power, with great energy, is because the individual is unsaved. But here from the text, there are two other reasons. Now back in the beginning of the chapter, in verse 2 of chapter 4. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. He is talking about those who wandered the 40 years in the wilderness. And he said God spoke to them, and not only did God speak to them, but God gave them good news. He gave them good news, good news of a promised land, good news of reaching that rest. God proclaimed unto them good news, but they did not benefit from it because it was not received by faith. And so if we're going to know the power of the word of God, this great energy deep within ourselves, we must receive it by faith. Now, faith is a gift from God, but faith is also something that we must exercise. Some people say God can do anything, but you know that's not true. God cannot contradict his character, and it is impossible for God 
to lie. There is something God cannot do. He cannot go against his character. He cannot lie. Now, here's the point I'm making with that, is that God has written down, he has preserved these words. These words are the living word of God, and these words are true. God has not lied. In fact, if we fail to put faith in what God has said, we, in a sense, call him a liar. So if we're going to know the power of the word of God, if we're going to know this great energy within, we must exercise faith in it. When we read it, we must exercise faith in the promises. When we look at what he has to say, we must exercise faith. It doesn't just come automatically. It's not even just saying, I believe it. We believe it. But exercising faith makes it personal. We take it within ourselves. We rest upon it. We reach out to God by faith. And when we reach out to God by faith, we begin to know something of the power of the word deep within our hearts. And then I would say the third thing quickly. From this text, I believe some don't really feel the power of the word because they avoid it. Now, I was going to say neglect it, but that's true enough. We do neglect the word of God. But avoid it. Now, what do I mean by avoiding it? Well, right here in the text. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to pierce the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and moral. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And so sometimes when we read the word of God, it lays us open. We are naked and laid open before him to whom we must give an account. And that's not really a very pleasant thing. I was discussing with a man one day. He dabbles a bit in the scripture. And I told him, I said, you know, sometimes when I read the word of God, all I can say is, ouch. Ouch, that hurt. That opened me up. That exposed my sin. That exposed where I fall short. Sometimes the word of God cuts. It is the sword of the spirit, and sometimes it cuts. He seemed to be a stranger to it. He looked at me off, off with surprise. And I thought maybe when he reads the Bible, all he reads is the promises. There are more, and I thank God for the promises, but there are more in Scripture than just the promises. For the word of God has been given to us, not only to teach us, to train us in righteousness, but to correct us, to guide us, to show us what is well-pleasing to God. So sometimes people will avoid the preaching, the teaching of the word, or avoid the reading of the word, because quite frankly, they don't like to take a good look at where they are. They don't like being exposed. They don't like the feeling that comes with it. It is a surgeon scalpel. And the Lord himself is a skilled physician. And he cuts that he might heal. And I'll say that again. He does cut. The word of God does cut. The word of God does expose. The word of God goes so far as to judge our thoughts. And our intents, not just our thoughts, but what we intend. 
but he exposes that he might heal. He exposes that he might heal. So those are three reasons that I came up with as I was meditating upon this word. Why is it that we don't know that energy within? Sometimes people don't know that because, quite frankly, they're unsaved. The Spirit is not operating deep within their heart to enlighten them, to bring them into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then sometimes we just fail. We fail to exercise the faith we need to. And at other times, we seem to be a bit afraid of it because it is a double-edged sword. It does open us up. It does expose us. And we don't like that. Do you remember what happened to Eve when they sinned? When they were exposed, they experienced sin. What did they do? They went and hid among the trees of the garden. Think of that. How do you think you can hide from God? But they were hiding, and God had to go looking for them. Where are you, he said. Where are you? They were hiding among the trees. And I'm afraid that often that happens today. Well, like I said, there are some things here that challenge us, that confront us. They're in the text. I read through the Word of God. Sometimes I get to a text. I can't get it out of my mind. And God just keeps me there. And I've been there for a few days. And uh, these things uh, I wanted to share with you this morning. Now, it's not... Bad news is good news, because what does he go on to say? If you look down in the 15th verse, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I would say, first of all, as we look into the Word of God, and as the Word of God opens us up, exposes who we are, exposes our weakness, exposes our sin, exposes those ways in which we have fallen short, what do we do with it? He said, first of all, understand this. There is a great high priest who understands. We have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness. He is one who has been tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. Not only has he been tempted in all ways, but he has fought temptation. He has been successful. He knows what we are going through. He knows everything that man can confront in life, every temptation that comes our way. And someone might say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, What does Jesus really know about being married? He was never married. Oh, what does Jesus really know about the problems that come with getting older? He never saw advanced age and the problems that come with it. But I'll say when it comes to temptation, all temptation has a common thread. They all have common features. Now, you take a concert pianist. They have not played every song ever written in the world but they have played every note that makes up every song. And Jesus Christ played every note of the human experience that makes up all of our experiences. And he's able to understand exactly what we are going through. 
And even though the word of God does that sometimes, we say, ouch, it opens us up. Well, what are we supposed to do with it? We're supposed to understand that we have one who understands. He sympathizes with our weakness. He understands what we are going through. He has been through it himself, although he went through it victoriously. And the second thing I would say is that what we have here in front of us, what does he say? Let us draw near with confidence. Let us draw near with boldness to what? To the throne of grace. Notice that. The throne of grace. I think sometimes when we think about the throne, we think about a throne of judgment. But here it is stated as being a throne of grace. Now, one day that throne of grace will be a throne of judgment, but for now, it is a throne of grace. It is a throne of unmerited favor. It is a throne of unearned favor. You cannot earn what God has given to you. You do not deserve what God has given to you. But nevertheless, it is a throne of grace where we find grace to help in our time of need. And he says that we are to draw near with boldness. Now that word boldness is used throughout the New Testament to really mean freedom of speech. They spoke boldly. It's the very same word. Confidence, boldness, freedom of speech. And it's as the pastor said last week, we don't need uh, to cover those things up. We can bring them out in the open and bring them out before our God. We have great freedom of speech. You cannot hide anything from God. That's why I love the Psalms. You know, I read through the Psalms, and David was so honest to God. When he was upset, he was upset. When he was angry about enemies or angry about this or angry about that, he told God he was angry. When he was depressed, he told God he was depressed. You see, he had an open relationship with God. He had great freedom and speech, and that's what we're encouraged to do here as we find things in our lives that don't measure up, and who doesn't find those things? We always have room to grow, but what are we to do? We draw near with confidence. We draw near with boldness of speech. We draw near to the throne. We draw near to the throne of grace. And when we do so, he says we find two things. I'll be finished with this. He says that we find mercy. Mm. Mercy deals with the problem of sin, doesn't it? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, when he had by himself purified our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. When he had by himself, what does a high priest do? A high priest has to offer a sacrifice. Jesus offered a sacrifice. The sacrifice he offered was himself upon the cross. Cursed is he who hangeth upon a tree. He took upon himself our sin. He endured our curse. He endured the punishment due our sin. And so whenever we come before the throne of grace, we find mercy. We find forgiveness. We find everything we need to sustain that relationship with God. Sin is no longer the barrier. So we don't need to be afraid to come before God and confess our sin. Because when we come before God, what we find there on that throne of grace, in that throne of grace, is mercy. And then grace to help in time of need. That covers the whole spectrum. Sin is very specific. 
We come before God with our sin. But there are so many needs. And God meets needs. That's why we find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And we are needy people. And there are needy people within this church. I am a needy person. We are struggling with this pandemic. We need God's grace in this. We struggle every day in some areas of our lives, whether it's with a physical problem, a spiritual problem. We need grace. We need grace. And that is the guarantee that God has given unto us. The word of God is living. It is a life-giving word. The word of God is active. It has tremendous energy. The word of God opens us up for what reason? That we might draw near with boldness, with freedom of speech. And as we draw near, what do we find? Oh, we find that throne of grace. We find that mercy and that grace to help in time of need. Let us this week and throughout the weeks to become be people of the book. People will open that book. People will allow that book to speak to us. Even when that book cuts and that double-edged sword does its work. But don't stop there. We don't worship the book. We worship a great God. Don't stop there. Allow it to draw you ever so lovingly, ever so gently into the throne of grace and with great boldness of speech lay before God whatever it is that's troubling you and you'll find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Thank you.